Hello and welcome to Spotlight. Today's guest leverages money to make more money and to create social change. Flipkart, Ola, Swiggy, Book My Show are all household names today. And these are just some of the startups that Prashant Prakash has backed as a VC. He's also a social evangelist. And I'm going to be asking him to share tips with us today about how to survive and thrive in the digital age. Welcome to the show, Prashant. Hi, Sandhya. Nice to be here. You know, I'm really happy that you could make time for us today because I know there's a lot of excitement in the VC community, the startups all being very enthusiastic. So which are the sectors that you think that growth is going to happen in? So there are two things. One is, of course, you had the first wave and then you had a little bit of lull and then you had the second wave. And during this period, what has changed is the real digitization of everything around us. And what that has led to is acceleration of the current companies and sectors that are already there in the digital world. They could be marketplaces, uh, online payment businesses, online fintech businesses. All these have just accelerated. So there's just been so much tailwinds that uh, they've actually achieved almost, it's, uh, they've gotten two years ahead in terms of where the projections were in many cases. And uh, so the secular shift of customer behavior, maybe forced by the pandemic, has worked very well for digital businesses as a whole. So that's one, one part. Now, your question is, moving forward, beyond what was already happening in the digital world, what are the new sectors that are still untapped or that will start to become uh, key sectors of growth? I think at tech, there's just so much disruption in the education space. I don't think uh, any one of us imagined being out of school for two years or being out of college for two years. So I think all institutions are preparing for a hybrid world. So I think uh, if you hear any projections, they believe that we got to learn to live with this virus till about at least 2023. So while vaccinations will solve a good chunk of the problems in terms of us getting into ICUs and will reduce death rates, but in just living and managing our lives in this on and off pandemic kind of situation is reality for the next two to three years. So all forms of education and college education, school education will change uh, from the way we know it in the next two to three years. So there's a lot of activity, there's retooling, there's new models being worked out. So there's a lot of uh, new technology and uh, new disruption that will come into the education space. Healthcare and wellness. There's, again, many, many years of talk of uh, digital health and more focus on wellness, remote consultation, AI-driven personalized health models, and so on. But I think they all will become more mainstream in the next two to three years. So there's also a lot of spend that is going to happen on health beyond just the tier one cities. You just saw the finance minister yesterday announce a big package for improving health at the rural and at the PHC level. So the bottom-up kind of health technologies, not just the high-end technologies in your primary hospitals in the main towns, but all the way from the bottom. So there's going to be a lot of new diagnostic technologies, new data-driven hub-and-spoke kind of models for remote consultation, 
that will take root. And third, uh, areas like insurance, right? So I think there's a lot of uncertainty in, in people's life. There's a lot of uncertainty in how they uh, feel their healthcare costs will, uh, will, will, will be taken care of in the future. So I think there's going to be a, a lot of new interest and people will discover what's the right kind of insurance that will work for them. And hence, there's an opportunity for companies to reinvent the way insurance is being sold digitally and in a more personalized fashion. So that will be a big uh, redefining of an industry in, in terms of digital and online insurance. And finally, agri-tech, a huge space. A good chunk of our population is involved in agri-tech uh, and the agriculture space. There have been there is some startup activity, but uh, still there's with the new agri-laws that have been reformed and farmers becoming more and more savvy in being able to digitally transact and uh, find markets for their goods, not only in the local APMC market or with the brokers, but with beyond their state borders and probably even exports. So all of that will change some of these status quo and dynamics in the agri-tech ecosystem. And finally, entertainment. I think entertainment, the way we know it, will also dramatically change. So entertainment and media, I think, has already shifted significantly to the digital world. And uh, what will the hybrid world look like? What will that model world in retail and uh, entertainment and media look like? I think that will be interesting to see. And there's a lot of new opportunities. So there's digital transformation of this new kind. That there's all there's been digital transformation happening for 20, 25 years. But this is a very new form of digital transformation that uh, is impacting all businesses a lot more than what digital did for the sectors previously. And that would be new opportunities and uh, new paradigms. That actually brings me to the next question. You know, while so many companies have been able to make this transition and have actually started making more money than they used to, there are quite a few companies that are struggling. So what would your advice be? You know, are there a few tips that you can give to companies that will help them survive and thrive in the digital economy? So one big learning for us is that we need to be nimble. So the way we organize our teams, the way people's roles can be more fungible and cross-disciplinary, I think is more important now than ever in most companies. You will have phases of unlock and growth and extreme expansions and suddenly you'll have a lockdown of three, four months and things things will have to uh, you'll have to rejig the way your teams are. So I think companies have learned a lot in terms of how these teams can be better organized to be more flexible for this expansion and contraction that happens. That's one part, right? So there is uh, the operational flexibility in businesses is more important than ever. The ability to withstand shocks in your customer base, with your suppliers, with your channels, all of that becomes important. So you need to build a world of redundancy, right? So you just can't be dependent on your store in the mall anymore. You have to have an alternative. You have to be able to reach your customer. The customer still wants your product. So the consumption is not gone away, right? So in fact, people have more pent up money to spend. So you just need to reach the right customers and be able to uh, give those products. So reimagining how your ability to service customers online and for standardized products, it's very easy. But for lifestyle products and other products, which where there's a little bit of a touch and feel, this is still not solved. So 
so still companies need to push the envelope to see how they can engage their customers with products that are not very standard and still need a lot of uh, meetings and in in person so how do you kind of transform that right that's the second part third is building culture in this disconnected in in a sense we are all connected but disconnected right it's a very funny situation that we are in we are disconnected because we don't uh, we are humans are used to resyncing our relationships physically we are used to resyncing our understanding of each other through these personal meetings now and then every so often and the idea of having conversations near the water cooler in your organization the idea of you know having these team building meetings and retreats all that are going to change so how do you but you're still uh, a, a company that is bound the vision and the mission and what you do is bound by this uh, unified thing that is your culture the company's culture so how do you build that in this distributed world is going to be a big new challenge and still not solved so they need to of course experiment and try to make the attempt so it will be a little bit of you know very careful bringing together of people uh, in a very thoughtful manner and being able to have remote mechanisms for getting people to engage uh, outside of work remotely and uh, have some of those mechanisms built prashant you've also been appointed fairly recently advisor to the chief minister of karnataka on a strategy and policy so what are your responsibilities in this okay and to how will you juggle your government and corporate responsibilities yeah it's a big it's a good question and a, and a big challenge for me also see i think uh, over the last 2 to 3 years and even previously for the last 10 12 years i have started to kind of blend what i do in in the venture capital world and a little bit of what i can do through act act the action covid team that we started during the first wave this was a consortium of venture funds coming together to solve large societal problems uh, with speed and quick access to capital which is what startups know best to do Uh, so i think uh, a combination of that plus uh, my involvement with the startup vision group uh, here with dr ashok narayan who is the deputy chief minister i got a better flavor for where are the high leverage points uh, where i can spend a little bit of time but create a large impact and i thought policy and strategy is is one such area you collaborate with the bureaucracy you collaborate with the political system and are able to influence projects and other high impact aspects of governance without spending a lot of time in the operational aspects of this so i'm able to do a little bit of this juggling because my intervention even the vision group we don't get involved in operationalizing a lot of what we do the idea of the vision group is to set the broad contours of what should the state be doing to further its digital economy so i'll give you an example it's about building new organizations it's about building new mechanisms to institutionalize some of these thoughts so one such thing was uh, the creation of the karnataka digital economy mission right which was an organization first of its kind in the country where it's a majority owned by private and minority by the government 
not happened anywhere else in any state or even in the center, right? So 51% owned by private institutions like NASCOM, ASOCHAM, TAI, and then 49% owned by government of Karnataka. Now, the thought behind KDEM is that the private sector is more intimately aware of what's happening in the industry. The private sector knows that the next demand in, in services and product is going to come from. So can they be sounding board? Can, can they be almost a parallel support system for the bureaucracy to be able to accelerate the adoption of digital technologies in the state and also create a better environment to attract more business into the state? And who better to drive it than the industry itself, right? Rather than the industry just advising the government sometimes. So it's better if the industry is in the driving seat and does some of it and then takes the support of the government to be able to operationalize it because ultimately it's the government missionary that will have to operationalize some of it. But being able to set the right frameworks and being able to set the right mechanisms to operationalize some of this is very important. And that's what KDEM would do. So I think the short answer is my focus will be more on creating these high leverage uh, initiatives, which will serve just not one project, but will systemically help the state do some of these things better and be a more uh, attractive destination. And hopefully, you know, our goal is to be one of the first trillion state at some point in time, right? So the great thing about uh, Karnataka is that there has always been a very, irrespective of what government is in power, there's been a very close collaboration between the industry leaders, uh, all the way from the early Infosys, Nandan, Chris Kopalakrishna, um, Kiran Majumdar, and some of the newer leaders now. So, and I think that really differentiates. So it is not a disconnected thing specific to one political party being in power. So this continuity of engagement between industry and the government over these two, three decades has created a very new differentiated environment for collaborative decision-making and great initiatives together. Prashant, I know from my personal experience that you are a very committed social evangelist. You know, you support programs that impact education, environment, culture, gender. What got you started off in this process? I think um, it was uh, maybe a decade ago, when, or maybe even now 12, 14 years ago, when uh, I met an individual, uh, Mr. Ram Murthy, who was working in the uh, education space. And today in ACT, we are trying to do something interesting, which is uh, you know bring some of the culture and the learnings from the startup space into the philanthropic space. But how Ram Murthy was influential was, uh, his view was, why aren't some of the practices that are so commonsensical and uh, mainstream in the corporate world, why aren't some of those things not there in the, the NGO or the impact space, right? So I think that was a big, big, big kind of light bulb for me, right? That there is value for a new generation of uh, philanthropy in this country. And uh, hopefully I can make a beginning to start uh, helping that change uh, and uh, now like i said 
with ACT, I'm seeing that more and more bear fruit, where urgency, practicality, a more collective collaboration between uh, multiple stakeholders, the, the leverage of tech platforms, uh, the ability to access, uh, access global capital. So all these are now becoming more real for me, but it's, it's really been a journey of more than a decade. And, but it's very exciting. I consider myself also the previous generation, right, when it comes to business uh, leaders, right? So there's the next generation of these leaders who are, who are going to get wealth, uh, who will get uh, wealth to be able to uh, contribute and uh, meaningfully impact society. I'm seeing a lot of openness and interest in them talking about, you know, how can societal change be done differently? How can we create these development models and these impact, impact models differently? So very exciting time for our country. And I'm hoping, I mean, there's, we are still among the poorest nations in the world. We still have among the worst air uh, and environment anywhere in the world. We still have among the uh, least penetrated health systems anywhere in the world when it comes to, uh, like I was talking about, the rural health uh, system. So lots to be done. And we need, we need this to be done in a very short period of time and apply some of the same yardsticks and benchmarks when we do our corporate businesses and some of our for-profit businesses. Can we bring those mechanisms and that kind of capital and energy and talent into this world is my hope and also something I look forward to, to, to be able to accelerate the changes we have to do to uh, meaningfully have a better uh, chance in terms of quality of life and equity across different segments in our country. So apart from you, which are the other uh, you know, tech companies or VCs which are part of um, ACT? So there are more than 50 different venture funds across the world which uh, helped us raise our recent uh, money. So I think maybe that's it's good to just quickly talk about uh, what we did in the recent pandemic. We were able to, in a very short period of time, oxygen became the biggest problem. So we wanted to see what can we do to solve the oxygen problem. So we said, you know, can we get oxygen to these uh, tens and thousands of hospitals and clinics which were in the rural areas uh, in, in this country. So we, were, we imported 45,000 plus oxygen devices from across the world in just uh, two to three months. And we were able to, uh, I think we were one of the largest uh, um, providers of these. In, to the, and, and we provided all of them to NGOs and to the government. And uh, that was a big uh, area of, of focus for us. And uh, the long-term solution is vaccination. So that's the big pilot we launched in Bangalore, where we created something called the Community Vaccination Coalition, which is a coming together of the BBMP, various NGOs, and the private healthcare system, because you need to be able to administer a lot of these vaccines in the form of camps. And we arrived at a priority mechanism where the most vulnerable portion of our population, the high-risk groups, and the marginalized, they get priority in the vaccination program. So this was something which we were able to work because of my relationships with the government and have the BBMP uh, become a key partner 
in being able to run hundreds of camps in a very short period of time and actually create an, a very audacious goal for, for Bangalore, at least in this case, of trying to get 80-90% of our citizens to at least one dose before early August. Fair bit of progress is already being made in it, I think. Yes, so, so we are we are upwards of fifty percent, and uh, a lot of credit will go to the BBMP and the Commissioner Mr. Gaurav Gupta, who has put together this coalition, and uh, the state government uh, also for supporting this coalition. So one last question for you, Prashant. You know, there's a saying that uh, people who do good end up feeling good about the good that they are doing. So, right. you know, all the work that you do in terms of social evangelism and empowering people, how has it impacted your well-being? I've uh, definitely found more purpose. I'm able to really see the world beyond what otherwise I would have seen just being in uh, the type of corporate and uh, um, you know the traditional startup industry. Now, being able to look at social startups, being able to look at uh, impact at the grassroots levels definitely has uh, helped. I mean, it's it's both good and bad. I mean, you feel good that you're, you're understanding the world that exists beyond what you've had exposure to. But at the same time, the enormity of the challenge in a country like India, you know, makes you feel heavy some days, right? So that the impact that you will be able to create may still be very small. And you got to do a lot more. And that's where the, the idea of the collective becomes more important. You got to be that catalyst. Uh, the role of you as a catalyst is more important than ever. If we have to solve these some of these problems in our lifetime and hopefully some of them in the next 30, 40 years. Thank you so much for your time, Prashant. And Thank more power to you in all that you do. Thank you, Sandhya. It's always a pleasure. And uh, I, I keep uh, seeing you also experimenting and uh, you're an entrepreneur at heart uh, forever. That's the, I, I, I really like that part of what you keep doing. Thank you. You can also view the interview as a video on the Raintree Media YouTube channel. Until I'm back next week with another interesting guest, take care and bye-bye. Do subscribe to the Raintree Media channel on YouTube. Like, comment and share the videos.